Chapter 9 of the Radio Boys on the Mexican Border by Gerald Breckenridge. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 9 On the Desert Trail. Eagerly, Mr. Temple, Bob, and Frank gathered around Jack, crowding to read over his shoulders the missive left at camp by a messenger in an airplane and brought to ransom by Gabby Pete, the camp cook, following Jack, who had gone to the little New Mexican town to meet the party from the east. The writing was cramped and foreign, as if the pen were wielded by a hand more accustomed to form German script than English letters. The missive was brief. Sir, this is to inform you that Mr. John Hampton is held in a secure place. One hundred thousand dollars must be paid for his release. A man riding alone must bring the money in United States bills for one thousand dollars each to the Calamari's ranch two weeks from today. He must wear white handkerchief in his hat. While the others read, Jack turned to Gabby Pete and said authoritatively, Pete, you heard me say something just now about my father being held for ransom. I believe you are my friend. Gabby Pete nodded violently. Well, forget what you heard. If anybody asks you, remember that father has gone east on business. Sure, boy, said Pete. I'm a tombstone. Well, me and Angel Face here and he slapped his horse affectionately, whereat Angel Face reared and pranced, giving the lie to her name. We may as well get started for camp so's to feed you when you arrive. Jack laid a restraining hand on Pete's knee. Wait just a minute, Pete. Do you know where the Calamari's ranch is located? Pete nodded. Oh, sure, he said. That must be Don Fernandez y Calamari's down in old Mexico. That's a good hundred miles across the border. It's in the valley in them mountains, he added, pointing to the darkening southern horizon. And who is this Don? Well, drawled Gabby Pete plaintively, I stick to hum so much of the time I never get to talk to nobody nor hear the news. But seems to me I did hear once about him. Yes, sir, somebody says how Don Fernandez lives in a palace in the wilderness just like a king of old with armed restrainers, or whatever you calls them. Retainers, Pete, said Jack, suppressing a smile. Yeah, that's the word. And this feller what told me says as how he's very proud and haughty like, and he has a beautiful daughter, and and Pete dropped his voice and paused, eyeing Remedios, the Mexican in the nearby fliver. Think he can hear me? he whispered. Guess not, said Jack. Why? He too looked toward Remedios. The latter had his back to them and was blowing indolent wreaths of smoke from a brown paper cigarette. "'I don't trust that feller, that's all,' whispered Gabby Pete hoarsely. "'He's down across the border too much at a time. Anyhow, as I was saying, this year Don Fernandez is again the Obergon government and back in a new revolution. That's what the feller told me, anyhow. Well, Mr. Jack, Angel Face and me gonna get back and make some dinner.' And with a slap on his horse's flank that caused her to spin about and dash away, Gabby Pete was off. Jack turned to his companions. First thing is to get to camp, I guess, he said. Then after dinner we can talk over what has to be done. What do you say? I say let's eat, said Frank plaintively. He's got the biggest appetite for his size I ever saw, said Bob affectionately, slapping his smaller chum on the back. I second Jack's motion, said Mr. Temple, seizing his bags and leading the way to the car. The others also picked up their bags and followed. "'We know now that your father is safe, Jack,' said Mr. Temple. "'So the news in that note wasn't so bad after all.' "'That's right,' agreed Jack. "'Well, climb in, fellows. Let's get started.' It was a tight squeeze. Jack sat in front with Remedios in one of the bags. 
Mr. Temple and Bob, both big individuals, filled the rear with the balance of the bags. Frank, who had gone to the front of the car to crank it, found no room within for him when he returned. He leaped to the running board. I'm light, he said. I'll sit on the door. Let's go. Remedios opened the throttle, and with a rattle and a roar, the ramshackle old car darted ahead on the road taken by Gabby Pete, and soon had left the town behind and was out on the desert. Only the upper edge of the sun stood now above the western mountains, and the purple shadows were long across the plain. In the east the sky was darkest blue, and the stars already twinkled brightly. A rosy light lingered at the zenith, while above the western mountains the sky was ruddy bright with the afterglow, as the sun slipped farther and farther down, and finally vanished altogether. Then night began to descend with a swiftness unknown in the east. The rattle of the car made conversation difficult, and the newcomers lapsed into silence, becoming absorbed in watching the majesty of the scene. Presently the engine began to misfire, then emitted a final groan as Remedios closed the throttle, cutting off the flow of gas, and stopped. Remedios threw the clutch into neutral, applied the brake, and climbed out. Raising the cover of the hood, he peered within. Then he shook his head deloriously. It's no use, senor, he said to Frank, who had jumped from the running board and stood beside him. She is finished. The spark plug, she is on the, uh, what you call it? The bum. And with an air of finality, he closed the cover. At the same moment, he turned to peer anxiously down the road ahead, which came now on the still twilight, the thudding hoofbeats of a galloping horse rapidly growing louder. His mechanical instincts awake, however, Frank paid no attention to the approaching horseman. He had again lifted the cover, as Remedios turned away, lighted a match in one hand, and was twisting at a spark plug with the other. Shucks, he cried, withdrawing his head. That number one plug wasn't screwed in tightly enough, that's all. I'll bet you'll go now, just the way I tightened it by hand. If I only had a pair of pliers. At that moment, the galloping horseman dashed up alongside, pulling his horse back on his haunches. It was Gabby Pete, his hat gone, his face red with excitement. Far over he leaned to call to the astonished occupants of the car. Bandits, he cried hoarsely. Greasers, coming in an auto. I come back to warn you. And facing about, he pointed to where a cloud of dust behind them on the desert road indicated a rapidly oncoming car. Grab that crank, cried Frank to Remedios, and he sprang for the driving wheel. I'll make this old bus go. Not so fast, senor said Remedio suavely, and seizing Frank's arm, he whirled the young fellow about. Frank looked into the muzzle of a revolver, which Remedios held leveled at him. End of chapter 9